Igawaur acknowledges the traditional owners of the land upon which we record, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation and the Wadawurrung people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to the elders past, present and emerging. Good evening, everybody. I'm Good Brother. And I am Lil Salty. And welcome to Ego Hour, the show where we deliver objectively true film reviews. It's out the time before me, Kong. Anything grunted, asserted, or postured over the next 60 minutes will stand up in the hollow world. These reviews are non-negotiable, non-informative, <laughs> and non-descript. So, let's talk about Godzilla v. Kong. Released internationally on the 24th of March, 2021, or a week later if you're in the US, so it's not quite out yet. Godzilla vs. Kong, also known by its alternative release title, The Movie We Need Right Now, (laughs) is the story of a big monkey fighting a big lizard. Directed by Adam Wingard, the film was made on a budget of $165 million, and has already made $121.8 million globally. No way. Punching in with a runtime of 1 hour and 53 minutes, the film will leave you wondering, was that the most convoluted WWE storyline ever? Then immediately find out no when you realise there was a story based around a character who was a porn star that slept with a rival's wife, inspiring the gang to drag him backstage, uh, who then attempted to slice off his penis with a samurai sword. Believe it or not, that wrestler is... Now a COVID denier. Who's the who's the wrestler? Val Venus. <laughs> so when you told me you're doing lots of research for this show, it meant you're watching old WWE <laughs> We've been hyping this for a while now. Yeah. Um, and now we're here mm-hmm. on the other side of it. How do how do you feel? I feel. How are you feeling? I was happy. It was a great experience. That's, yeah. You? <laughs> I'm feeling good. I'm feeling like a little depressed. I don't have anything to look forward to anymore. Yeah, it's just like, you know when Christmas passes? <laughs> yeah, what's next? Christmas? I guess Easter. But. <laughs> <laughs> we're sad. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know where to particularly start. I've heard that Tom has done lots of preparation for this episode. Context for the movie is just that you know, this was all over the internet, so we had to do it. And and it's it's funny. This is like our return to the the mainstream. I think. Yeah, we and we've gone big, and next week we'll also be big mainstream as well. So yes, so we did. Anyway, a, sick um, of our shit, then get used, then get excited. Yeah, we have no in between. Basically, this is this is commercial Fortnite. So get <laughs> commercial Fortnite. Let's go. Let's get down. Swipe out Tomato Town. Exactly. That was still popular when this podcast was recorded. <laughs> Don't judge us. <laughs> yeah. So, we went and saw this in IMAX. IMAX 3D. 3D. The day after it came out. Yes. So... It was our brother's birthday. We had 10 friends there. And so, I was going to go to the Geelong versus Brisbane um, home opener. But I said, look, I'm willing to miss the showdown of the week for the showdown of the century. Yeah, and I guess we can talk about 
our relationship to these two characters. Uh-huh. And mm-hmm. I don't think there's much, uh, except that I really remember when... I, I remember seeing Peter Jackson's King Kong when I was younger, when it came out in cinema, and thinking it was the best movie ever. Like, I remember leaving the cinema being like, that was sick. Mm. And then... It, was, it had a lot of buzz at the time. People were talking about it. I remember. Was like, it his first thing post Lord of the Rings? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I remember going to the cinema to see it as well. And mum made me close my eyes at the start with the tribal stuff. Right. Um, so I shut my eyes for that whole part. And then. Was it graphic or something? I yeah, violent. Right. But apparently, Peter Jackson cut his teeth on violent movies. So, he was a horror dude. Yeah. So that is related to Lord of the Rings. I was talking to someone who has a connection to Lord of the Rings, and they were saying that there's uh, a lot of Lord of the Rings footage that got cut out because it was too violent and stuff. Mm. So, anyway, Peter Jackson aside. I think we, we should do that movie. So, that movie will come That eventually. movie being all of the movies? No, King Kong. Oh, um, I, yeah, I would like to do that as yeah. well. And I had the PlayStation game, which was a bloody oh, good really game. good game. It's well-reviewed as well, isn't it? Yeah. King Kong. On Peter PS2. Jackson's Kong. King Kong on PS2. You had to play as Kong and Adrian Brody. So, best of both worlds. Yeah. You had to hang out with Samuel L. Jackson and Jack Black. What more can you ask for? And I think that it set some expectations. Like, I'm not a big action guy, but the movie, the, the King Kong movie, I have this vision of Kong splitting a dinosaur's jaw yeah, down the middle. Yeah, that. And that being a very brutal thing that hyped me up, I think, subconsciously for this film because I was just bloody waiting for him to do it. Yeah. And part of me really wanted this movie to end by him splitting Godzilla's jaw. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't happen, unfortunately. <laughs> Spoilers. I feel like he did that to another creature, though, at least to a he little bit. He smacked around that um, pterodactyl-type thing, like the flying serpent, and then split its head. Of... I think it did. he did do mm. that. He did do it to someone, but not Godzilla. Yeah. And then Godzilla, on the other hand... I've seen the first... I've seen the reboot of Godzilla. Did you? Have you seen that? Did we see that in the movies together? The recent one. The one with Brian Cranston. No, you went with Ben, apparently. Yeah. So, I saw, I've seen that, and I'm sure it was fine. Um, was Millie Bobby in that one or not? No. Okay. And then I saw the American one when I was a kid. The eight, 90s one. with one. Matthew Broderick. Yeah. Broderick. Yeah, I remember watching that. And they find out it, it's a girl, and that's a big deal. Yeah. Apparently has terrible reviews and everything. It was a box office dud. Not like Rise of the Planet of the Apes, directed by Tim Burton in 2002. Or that wasn't a dud. Yeah. Then disappeared exactly. from public memory. Exactly. Yeah. Um. So let's talk about. And we played. We have a Godzilla GameCube game. True. Where they fight and like that's why I know Mecha Godzilla exists and Godzilla 2000 and Godzilla 2000. Does he really exist? Actually, there's a movie called Godzilla 2000 because. The thing about Godzilla is that there's a lot of those movies. Mm-hmm. And I guess the other context for this is that after the movie last night, mm-hmm. Tom and I watched the old 60s American yes, version. We watched the 1963 American cut of the 1962 Japanese film Kong versus. Uh, God, yeah, it's King Kong versus Godzilla. So let's have, start there, I think. Yeah, right? I have info to dive into on that if, yeah. you, if you want. Okay, so I've done my proper research today. I thought I've been doing assignments on research, uh, research assignments, and so I thought it was time to get a little bit serious on this part. It's got academic writing as a heading. Just hold that. Um, so, King Kong vs. Godzilla, it's most famous for its in America for its 1963 re edit where they redubbed it. Well, not redubbed it, they dubbed it and shot more scenes to tell the story. So, basically, the premise is that 
there are wait. There's like you can explain it to me because I didn't understand. <laughs> there are there's a UN expedition that crashes into Submarine, an, iceberg, an iceberg, and then they find out that that iceberg has Godzilla inside it, who was frozen inside there in an earlier Godzilla movie. Right. Okay. Conversely, a pharmaceutical company finds these fruit that are non-addictive drugs, but like opium, mm. and so they. They this, want to exploit they, this resource. Yeah, and they also say that there's a god there, right? They say that the, the, the locals. locals are using it, are giving it to a god. And so the pharmaceutical company venture there to get these berries. And they're like, oh, these silly... And to get coverage for the TV or something. He wants entertainment, doesn't he? Be- he wants publicity. Yes. Which so they, they keep go talking there. about. And they show up on an island of Japanese people in blackface which is pretty uncomfortable yeah it's very uncomfortable but there's some great dancing scenes yes so apparently they were all art students really except for the lead female and apparently so i watched a video on this on this film and the guy's name on youtube is like big action someone not the best credit here uh anyway so apparently the octopus scene they they fight a giant octopus on kong's island and that's before the king kong godzilla showdown the octopus scene was like highly remembered and the people who were creating parts of the Caribbean with the Kraken used that as a reference oh, or cool. something like that. Yeah. The octopus thing is really cool because they're using like a real octopus and mm. then blue screening people in front of it to make it look huge. Yeah. And it's cool because they're really like zoomed in on the octopus and you can just like feel the sliminess and it like... I don't know. It's it looks actually good. looks. It's a cool effect. Yeah. So apparently they ate some octopus after they got. They ate the octopus. Yeah. Or something like Because I was saying to Tom when we were watching it that I was worried. They were going to just the, mess the man up in the octopus. King Kong. The man in the King Kong suit was just going to literally go up and like beat up an octopus on camera, which would have been horrific. But yes. luckily they don't. Yeah. So the idea for this film was originally devised by the guy who. So there's. I've got his name here. Uh, Willis O'Brien, who did the stop-motion animation behind the original King Kong, which came out in 1933. Right, wow. Uh, um, came up with the idea of mixing them, but not actually them. He came up with the idea of mixing Frankenstein versus Godzilla and approached a producer named John Beck, who then stole his idea, went behind his back to Toho, who owned Godzilla, and pitched King Kong versus Godzilla instead. It's interesting because I think that anyone who comes up with an idea of someone versus someone, it's like, it's not much of an idea. Like, mm. you know, you could just say any anything crossovers with anything and it's like... Yeah, it's like LeBron fights, I don't know, Jeff Hardy or something. <laughs> I'd watch that. Or yeah. they play... Or like Shaq versus is based upon this premise, basically. Which he stole that idea. So there's a... He stole that idea from Steve Nash. Did you know that? Did not. So, they got the rights to make the film from RKO, who owned King Kong. Which, and I'll do that part as well. That's quite fascinating. The, the King Kong copyright is quite interesting history as well. But they got the rights, but then RKO said they can't make King Kong look like he does in their film. Oh. So, that's why King Kong looks so weird in King Kong vs. Godzilla. Because the Japanese uh, art department based it instead on those Japanese monkeys that have the red faces and no hair oh, on them. Oh, cool. So that's why he looks so different. Mm. He doesn't look like a gorilla because the gorilla in King Kong looks like a gorilla. Yeah, okay. Um, the action was filmed by men in suits, of course, but they also had small models 
that they did for the far away stuff, like when he's flying in the balloons. Mm-hmm. Um, it's oh, just like here's the thing: you should watch this movie. It's on YouTube. Google it. Yeah, um, I would. I actually would recommend it. Yeah, because it's like I obviously really want to watch the original Godzilla now, because mm. um, I'm because that was like very influential, obviously, and mm-hmm. a big moment in cinema. But also, you've got you know 34 total Godzilla films to watch, right? Yes. And I'm interested in watching a few of them, but yes. I think that, okay, so it's like if you watch these movies, you're watching, you know, men in suits destroy sets, which is really fun. So it's like fun to watch miniature sets, how they do them, and then look at them being blown up and stuff like that. So I think you might as well go with King Kong versus Godzilla because... There's your entry point. There are two people you know, two characters you know, just wrestling. And there's, some, there's just some great wrestling in there. Yeah, and the fighting is so fun. And, like, I'm going to jump forward to a comment about the new Godzilla, the new one, in that they're obviously completely different films because one is CGI and one is men fighting in suits. But there is such this brutal feel to men, like, wrestling in suits that is definitely missed in the other one yeah. because it's CGI. And it's fun. Like, they roll around on the ground and, like, jump up and stuff like that. Yeah, and then King Kong falls down a hill and hits his head on a rock. <laughs> yeah, and it was just, like, it's, it's satisfying because... Um, again, we'll talk about it more later. The other film has like lots of build up, and it's just like, okay, you're doing all this build up. This fight's better be good. Yeah. And it's like, if you did all that build up and then put the end fight of this old Kong vs. Godzilla in it, you would be satisfied because yeah. it's so good. Yeah. yeah. Probably the most brutal scene is when King Kong rips a tree <laughs> out of the ground and shoves it in Godzilla's throat. It's actually a gif that you can find on the Messenger app. Like, you, if you type in King Kong vs. Godzilla, that, that gif will come up. And the other noteworthy meme from the film is the American dude explaining the size of their brains. Yeah, and he says that Godzilla's got the brain the size of like a Nut. a jaffle because it's like a red little, like a Malteser. And then King Kong has just a monkey brain for some reason. He's got a huge monkey brain, but he's like eight times the size of this monkey brain. <laughs> and then also the other gem is that the there's like a expert on King Kong on air hmm. and he pulls out what you... Highlighted as a children's book to illustrate the Godzilla is a combination of Tyrannosaurus and Stegosaurus. Yeah, it's pretty hilarious. And the idea that they added these scenes for an American audience makes it funnier, in my opinion. Mm, it's mm. like, so we, I think we should maybe talk about like why we think that they do that. Like we were talking about it last night and it's like, I'm of the impression that they just probably didn't think that they could sell a movie that's a Japanese movie to American audiences without make, like inserting Americans in it. But it also, it's funny because then there's this back and forth dialogue but like that Americans have anything to do with the plot and they don't. Yeah. Because this guy's like the Godzilla expert or whatever. And all the stuff he says is so hilariously rudimentary. For some reason, King Kong, electricity makes King Kong stronger. So, they think that that's a holdover from Frankenstein. Frankenstein's monster. He was supposed to be... Just the idea that electricity makes him stronger. Right, okay. Because, yeah. But... You know, Godzilla should be the guy who electricity makes stronger if he's yes, radioactive. But Godzilla gets stopped by power poles in the original one of the earlier Godzillas. Right. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So it's canon. But right? Yes, it's dumb. It's just like, and then, but then, like at the end of this film, and you know, I think you know that you're getting spoilers if you watch this. But at the end of the the current Kong vs. Gods Godzilla vs. Kong, King Kong gets knocked the heck out and he's on the ground after he's torn his ACL there's a sniper in the building and then they use a rocket ship's energy surge to restart his heart and I wonder if that's a tribute to the original 
King Kong vs. Godzilla. What's the original called? God's- King Kong. So it's the other way around. See, it doesn't make sense to me that the new one's called Godzilla vs. Kong. Yeah. When the movie is pretty much a King Kong movie versus a Godzilla movie. Yes. Yeah. It's it's interesting, and we'll talk about that more, I guess. There's also a thing to note funny about the first one is that there's a scene where someone's wife, I don't really know who the character's wife is, but she's someone worth saving, apparently. <laughs> she's running away from Godzilla, and she's doing the weird, like this weird arm flailing thing and tripping over and yeah. stuff like that. And she does it for like five minutes, and uh-huh. it's just like really kind of... Apparently, un- the director wasn't on set that day. Like, yeah. literally. No, like, literally. Well, that's probably <laughs> why. And it, yeah, it makes me think of it at the end of Once, in a, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood where... The girl with the knife gets her like arm broken and she's like flailing yeah, into the pool. Yeah, it was like, like that sort of motion. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What else to say about this film? Anything else? Uh... At least watch the end sequence if you can find it. It's like definitely worth you a watch. You can find it. It's on YouTube. It's on YouTube. Look it up. They, the director knew it was comedic. The director yeah. was parodied. It was more satirical about the media and... Because you know how the characters always talk about his ratings and stuff. That was deliberate to parody... Japanese culture about being obsessed with TV. Okay, yeah. Which changes context a little bit. Yeah, it's a good good watch. It's like, it's actually memeable but enjoyable. You know how sometimes people show you things that are so bad and you're, you, you, come, you, get over, you get around with your friends and you say, oh, let's watch this really bad thing. I'm sure it'll be funny. This film is actually worth sitting around with your friends and watching because the story is engrossing enough and the, the action pays off. Do you know what I mean? I will say, what's also satisfying is that they fight each other and Kong kind of wins. There's a big debate about what happened at the end. Right. So, like, all, there's literature about promotional literature saying who won and who didn't win. Right. And so, basically, early stuff said that Kong won, mm. but then they've redacted it sort of, so it's a tie. Yeah. And that is what makes this... More Cause, satisfying. Because Kong's a, a Michael Phelps swimmer, apparently. Yeah. Kong it, does a lot of swimming in that movie. Yeah. Compared to the new one, where they were never going to let anyone win because they're two brands and yeah, they need to maintain the brands. It would have been... It's much more satisfying to have someone win, I think. Yes. And it's cool. Yeah. Which really brings re- me, okay, if cool. I may, to a strange comment. The director... So, this movie's still not out in America, but the director said... Who is his name's Adam Wingard? Let's do a little bit of an Adam Wingard bit. Yeah, I looked up into what he's directed so far. So he's directed Your Next, which is apparently a cult classic horror thing. Interesting. He, he did Blair Witch, which is 2016 sequel, and Death Note, the Japanese popular manga. You want to know how that's rated on Letterboxd? Not good, right? Like 1.7 or something. Willem like Dafoe's in it. Well, it must be a five then, surely. Mm. Lakeith wow. Stanfield should be a, a banger, but it's not. Do you know what it's rated? Oh, 1.7. Is it 1.7? So Wingard has said, I do want there to be a winner. The original film was very fun, but you feel a little let down that the movie doesn't take a definitive stance. People are still debating now who won in that original movie, you know? So I do want people to walk away from the film feeling like, okay, there is a winner. Which doesn't happen. So he's saying this like recently. I, I... Who do you think wins? Godzilla. Godzilla wins, I guess. Well, because, yeah, Kong's down and then but he Kong doesn't... lives the good life in the epilogue. Maybe that's how they had to do it. Godzilla's down... Kong is down and Godzilla looks at him but doesn't kill him. Mm. So, I guess Godzilla wins. Yeah, maybe that's what he's saying. Anyway. But then it's just like, leave out the whole... Anyway, carry on. He does say a good thing. So, people are saying, why is it two hours? He said, I like movies under two hours. I think if you do a movie over two hours, you better have a damn good reason for it to be that long. 
at the end of the day, if you're going to make this movie into three hours, you're not going to get an extra hour of monsters fight and you're going to get an extra hour of people talking about monsters. And That's this a good is, point. This is my this is my man. That is a fantastic comment. Too many it's movies, a fantastic too comment, long. but we still had an hour fifteen of people that's talking what, about that's monsters. That's what you're saying. I guess I guess you have to have this awareness that especially with this CGI stuff, to animate it, they can't afford to have fighting actually take up forty percent of the story. But literally the third Transformers movie has like an hour of fighting at the end. I remember it like that being a thing. It's a three hour movie and there's a whole fucking hour of fighting. Damn. So I don't know. I think that the issue is that, and the thing is, the people there's been like stars in and out of this kind of monsterverse thing so far. So uh-huh. you've got Godzilla one, which has Aaron Johnson or I can't remember his name. You've got like Brian Cranston and stuff being your kind of leads or whatever. And then you've got the second one comes along and Millie Bob Bobby Brown is your lead who comes into this one. Mm-hmm. And um, Kong Skull Island has Brie Larson, Tom Hiddleston, Hiddleston. Uh, John C. Riley, and Samuel John Goodman. L. Yeah, so that's like good cast. Obviously, makes sense, I guess, because they're sent decades apart, set decades apart. But they're not around, yeah. Um, and so you've got to, I guess, they're, they're trying to carry over some sort of consistency or, you know, make it feel like a story by carrying people over. But that definitely means we get all this time with these people that you don't care about. Yes. Um, so as much as I love Paperboy, it's like the whole Paperboy, um, Millie Bobby Brown, Hunt for the Wilder People storyline is so tedious. Yeah. And it is the most unnecessary. Like they they could have actually got involved a bit. Because, and you know, they they have to have villains that are like, they can't be evil. Like they can't just let Godzilla want to destroy the world and that's it. Like Godzilla has to have some good in him. Mm. And he's like, he's not really evil because he's only doing it because Mechagodzilla exists. Mm. Which is just annoying. I'm just like, let monsters be monsters, you know? Yeah. I that's guess, about the future of the franchise, so. I guess Kong makes sense because Kong has always had this this human element to him or Well, whatever. his whole thing is that he bonds with this girl, right? Yeah. But it's like, Millie Bobby Brown is there to... He also a, has a much bigger brain than Godzilla as well. <laughs> it's canon. <laughs> God, Millie Bobby Brown is there to sympathize, be a, a Godzilla sympathizer. <laughs> Apologist. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's what I'm looking for. A Godzilla apologist. And it's like, just don't, you know, no one cares. He can be evil. Their side story is very strange as well because essentially what happens is that it's Millie Bobby Brown. She thinks that there's a conspiracy as to why Godzilla is attacking people. Mm -hmm. Um, So she listens to Paperboy, whose name is Brian Tyra Henry or Bernie in the show, who hosts a conspiracy podcast about the company that's... Apex. Yeah, keeping... King Kong in lock and developing what we later find out to be Mechagodzilla. Yeah, their whole storyline's a bit dumb. It's them snooping around a, a, a case with no real stakes. Like, no one actually cares what they're doing, really. Mm, yeah. Except, having said that, I didn't hate it. <laughs> the side story. I think it's dumb as anything. But I like the sets they were going through. You like it because it's got this, like, neon yeah. sort of... So, the big, a big surprise winner in this film is cinematography for me. Um... They're just constantly throwing neon lights at you and just going, hey, why don't we make the elevator have a bunch of pink fluorescent tubes around it rather than just yeah. being an elevator? The scene that stood out to me was when they're in the diner yeah. and it's just like yes. they're sitting next to a neon light. And now that I'm kind of aware 
I guess, paying more attention to this sort of stuff. I was like, interesting. They're sitting somewhere that like practically in real life is only lit by the neon sign that they're sitting next yes. to, which makes no sense. It's the dingiest um, thing. I suppose narratively, yeah. I don't know. They're just kind of like comedy that happens and but, but there's no stakes and no deadlines. And I'm not a person to really rag on. I'm, I know what this movie is. But it's like the jokes could have been better. And this is, I'm going to give Marvel some credit in that, like, Marvel, you know, say what you want. But it's like they put a bit of effort into their comedic stuff. Beats and, and stuff. Yeah, their, their beats are pretty good. Like Hulk uh, dropping the taco. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's gold. At least they're not, not, you know, seven out of ten times they're not corny. Do you know what I mean? I would say. That's, I genuinely think that's quite high. Five. There is a certain, like Guardians of the Galaxy is its whole own discourse where it's like, it's just the guiltiest thing you ever watch because it's like, this film is the biggest, I don't know, it's just them going, hey, we know everyone in our audience grew up in the 80s, mm. let's sh- shove everything that's from the 80s into one movie so everyone thinks they're in on this joke, Yeah. but the whole thing is it's all the most... Low, it's the lowest hanging fruit Focus of the era. Focus grouped sort of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so that's where the coyness comes in for me. The lack of nicheness of it. But I will me. just but say that the jokes, know. the beats are better. And the thing that's... the My perfect example of this is they're on a helicopter, right? And King Kong rips something's head off and then starts drinking its blood. Yeah. And then they cut to this girl and I'm like, oh, that's a joke What's coming. What's the zinger? And she goes... That's gross. <laughs> and it's like, you didn't even try to write a joke there, but yeah. you, you set up the timing like it was a joke. And it's so weird. And I just don't understand who writes these, these scripts because it's like, okay. It is writer's rooms. It's literally 15 people. So, no one has one voice. Yeah. It's bizarre because you make a storyline that seems it's just like really confusing, right? We'll tackle that a little later. Um, and then you don't put any effort into the jokes. So, it's like... You're really just trying to stay out of your way, I guess, is what they're doing until like there's a fight on screen. You know mm. what I mean? There were two jokes that made everyone laugh. I can't specifically remember one of them, but there were like two when, moments. Oh, it's HTML, bro. No, it was, that, yeah, that was pretty funny. He said, no, he said, was like, funny? aren't you a hacker? And he's like, I only um, torrent movies or something like that. Not this. And everyone did laugh. And there was another bit that was earlier that everyone laughed at. Hmm. Like I genuinely. Well, here's what I'm saying: is like if you go to Endgame, right, and you're sitting there in that theater, people are pissing their pants. You know, worst experience of my life was going to Deadpool, sitting next to like genuinely a 13 year old or 12 year old who found that movie the funniest thing ever, and I'm like, oh, they're just it's just masturbation jokes the whole time, and it's not funny to me, let alone to I don't know. It's like watching Family Guy on the big screen. That was unfair. Family Guy has its own moments. <laughs> I wasn't trying to be like, hey, that's unfair. Straight bullet. I watch... I'm in a phase where my YouTube now has Family Guy clips on it. It's very what? upsetting. I reckon... I, you know, like something pops up and you go... And it's this is the thing about YouTube. It's like you see a, a screen grab and you see the description. So, it was some Family Guy thing that was referencing some thing that I thought would be interesting to see the reference about. Yeah. It was probably something like... I, I think it started because I saw them. It was like Ben Affleck and Matt Damon right in Goodwill Hunting. And I was like, cool, that'll be a funny joke. And then now all of a sudden I just have all these family guy clips. a good clips. joke? Yeah, it was about Ben Affleck taking all the credit from Matt Damon. Like mm. Ben Affleck's just sitting on the couch while Matt Damon writes the script. Oh, yeah. Which is a funny joke. Yeah, good bit. Yeah, so my I have Family Guy and then I've also been... And this one is actually fine. I've watched a whole lot of American Psycho clips. Were you watching them earlier today? 
was in the other room and I thought I heard the, Probably. the voice of Jared Leto. <laughs> it's just like any like 30 second clip of Patrick Bateman doing something. I just like love to watch. They're so fun. Anyway, the, the writing was not great in this. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go to some more facts because I didn't do all this work for nothing. So this movie came out of in 2015 when Legendary moved Skull Island from Universal to Warner Bros. And then they announced that they would unite in October 2015. So this has been a long time coming. We They announced it to the people. Yeah, that it was coming in oh, October wow. 2015. Do you remember when you first heard of this? I know when it entered my actual attention, but I don't know. Maybe I did know it was coming. It's funny because they announced it and I would have heard it and not really cared about it. And then like all these memes came around it when the trailer came out earlier this year. Yeah. And that made me want to watch it. <laughs> yeah, it became big for me when Kevin Durant tweeted about it and he's like this is a wash like Godzilla can fire freaking flamethrowers and the other dude is just a monkey or something yeah and it is hilarious the world that we live in that people are actually you know even weighing in on this conversation is so funny because you look at it and people aren't going like this is just like a dumb money cash grab sort of thing that's just gonna be dumb and stupid people are just like who's gonna win this fight like that's hilarious to me yeah and obviously all the monkey stuff because I guess they didn't Really explain how Kong is much smaller than Godzilla. Like, Godzilla stands over buildings. Ben was saying that in Kong Skull Island, in Skull Island, they talk about how King Kong is still growing, which okay. I guess is them setting it up. But they didn't allude to his size at all in this. I guess if you don't mention it, you don't have to deal with it. I suppose so. Yeah, so here's some fun trivia. The movie was partially filmed in Brisbane. Yeah, um, at Village Roadshow Studios, on location around Gold Coast. Brisbane and Ipswich. Hong Kong? Is Hong Kong Brisbane? Uh, no, the jungle locations in the Tele Bajira uh, Valley. Miami High School, that's a place in Queensland. Bundamba Advanced Water Treatment Plant. The Roosevelt Lounge at Broad Beach. So maybe next time you're doing the, um, the clubbing scene in Surface Paradise, you can jump over to the Roosevelt Lounge. Chinatown Mall, uh, other places... And it injected an estimated $36.5 million into the economy. So, And we're on the up and up in Australia, in Queensland. Yeah, shit's popping up uh, uh, in Queensland. It's, uh, it it's hopefully here as well. They're okay. building a big studio in Docklands. Cool. And there's an animation studio coming here as well. That's exciting. So if you see your boy living in Queensland... <laughs> Maybe we'll hang around Docklands and try and get some films. Yeah. Well, they filmed a Liam Neeson movie here at the Exhibition Centre during lockdown. Did you know that? No. Well, they did. It happened. They filmed... I remember the big deal was they filmed Nicolas Cage, the, Nicolas Cage yeah. knowing they shot near Geelong. So, the funny thing is at uni and once you hang around some like filmish people, they start telling you about how they knew someone or how they were involved on it and stuff like that. One of my old cinematography teachers was talking about how he was on set for Knight Rider. Or oh, what's that one? Skull? Yeah. Knight Hell... Hell Rider, the one where flame. the one where Nicolas Cage is a skull with his head on fire. Yeah, he was on that, and just that they had like insane amounts of money. It's just cinematographers being really blasé about it all, just making having so many lights that it turned night to day, sort of stuff. Sounds like a bit of a hoot. And Nick Cage was a dick, apparently. So let me tell you about the King Kong IP history because it's a little bit interesting. Okay, can you make this within? Five minutes. Oof. Okay, so <laughs> King Kong's sort of in the public domain. He was developed by a guy in 1929, um, and this dude believed he owned the character, but then when he tried to own... So the first film came out in 33, 
and he tried to claim ownership in 1962, but he didn't have key documents including an agreement that he had licensed the character to RKO. Apparently, he lost them while he was serving in the World War, so gotta love capitalism. Um, Instead, he only had a copyright for the novelization. So in 1976, Universal wanted to create a reboot. He never renewed his copyright to the novelization, which meant that King Kong, the King Kong novel was public domain, but RKO owned the original film and sequel. So then uh, Universal were allowed to remake the film as long as it didn't imitate the RKO film. And I don't know where you draw the line there. And then the producer of the original movie, a guy named Dino De Laurentiis, bought the remake right, oh, bought the remake rights from RKO for 200k, and then subsequently cut a deal with Universal for a remake. But then it went back to court again, and a judge ruled that Cooper, the original guy, his estate actually owned the name, the character, and the story of King Kong, besides the original film, which were owned by and the sequel, which were owned by RKO, but did not overrule that the the novel was in public domain because, you know, they would be going against a ruling that was already made in the courts. Right. The Cooper estate then sold the rights to Universal in December 76. In 1982, Universal tried to sue Nintendo for Donkey Kong, (laughs) saying it was too much like King Kong, but the courts eventually ruled that Universal did not have exclusive rights to the character's properties and instead highlighted that RKO owned... RKO owned the original film and sequel, De Laurentiis owned the rights to the 76 remake, and the Cooper estate owned the worldwide book rights, which meant that Universal owns the rights of the character and name, but doesn't have the right to like all the likeness and that sort of stuff. Um, also, they got in trouble for acting in bad faith when this case was going along, because they were going to third parties who were publishing and using Donkey Kong, and tried to t- convince them that they had ownership so they were going to sue them as well sort of thing so then they had to pay all of nintendo's rights and finally they all uh, the courts ruled that no one was going to get donkey kong king kong confused rko eventually became part of the turner entertainment company which also owns warner bros so that's why warner bros and legendary co-produced the film right the Mm, current one right and legendary pictures got in by buying the monsterverse projects from universal that's so complicated. Yes. But then somehow, I think the Cooper estate is still involved in publishing comics so or something. Have we found out? So, some of it is public domain. Uh, I think like the old novel is <laughs> or right. something like that. Yeah. Something ridiculous. Anyway, yeah. it's more just an interesting thing of, uh, you know, copyright laws. I yeah. think copyright laws are really lax and unfair to the, the creator in the US. Whereas in Australia, as long as you put a date on something, you, mm. can, you own it. Right. Yeah. Like ideas and stuff. Well, it's inter- it makes you think of when we were reading about the uh, the book about the Marvel stuff and about how they had complicated legal battles and stuff like that as well. And yeah, this whole ownership thing makes perfect sense in this movie capitalism business. But it's like it's it, it does get just distra- upsetting when you're just kind of like oh, pe-, like there seems like an obvious kind of way place where things should be lying, and you're like, Jesus, why can't it just be like that? You know? Yeah. Anyway, glad this movie got made. Conversely, Toho owns Godzilla, and the original was a drama, not anything else. But eventually, the the series became a bit of a comedy. There's scenes of Godzilla doing like dancing in a human suit that were in the real movie, and yeah. So it was con- the original was considered to be an allegory for the atomic bomb, 
which was dropped the bomb switch were dropped nine years earlier than the first release so nine it was years very is serious unreal to think about yeah let's get back to the film because i have another segment to debut later on in the podcast but we'll break up the tom reed and stuff part yeah so let's actually tackle the film so well we've been talking we about been king kong stuff i guess um so the film we've already established that the side stories are kind of mundane let's talk about the central ish plot which is king kong so yeah kong is based around this uh scientist well i don't know it's it already begins convoluted doesn't it it's like there's a woman who can talk to a little girl who can talk to (laughs) kong so she's like an expert on watching a girl sign language to king kong and so this is what's interesting is that the prequel of the movie before right Mm. the um Skull Island, set in the 70s or whatever. So, this this girl who's signing to Kong doesn't exist. So, she's a character for this movie, right? True. So, I didn't, everyone yeah. who interacts with Kong, I think you can largely assume is new, right? Which means that... So, we can't, we are permitted, I think, to get annoyed about convoluted nature, I think. Yes, <laughs> yes. Because, you know, the lead, the lead actor in this is Alexander Sarsgaard. He's sort of the lead. I, I wouldn't even say he's quite the lead. Well, he's billed the lead, he's Nathan right? Nathan Lind. And he doesn't... He's the dumbest character. He's, like, annoying. He's not even likable. He doesn't do anything. He, he doesn't speak much. And he's, he's introduced just... because he knows about Hollow Earth. What's Hollow Earth, you may be wondering? Essentially, they go early on that there's a place within the Earth called Hollow Earth. Where Kong and the Titans are allegedly from. So, they're all Titans. And I think that they all... Godzilla fought some other Titans in the other movie. Yeah. Which is like the other one, the his classic villains. Yeah. So they got to go to Hollow Earth to get energy for An this energy company, source. but then they're also doing it because, well, that's why they're doing it actually. But yes. at the same time, they're trying to keep King Kong away from Godzilla because they think that as their natural enemies, Godzilla will just come and kill King Kong. Yes, but then they think that, but then they say that Kong needs to lead them to Hollow Earth. But by lead them to Hollow Earth, they mean be the person in front of the line because they apparently already have a tunnel to Hollow Earth. Yeah, it doesn't make sense that King Kong literally just falls in beforehand and then they just like trail behind him, but it's like... So they need... The whole like inciting incident is taking Kong to go get the power for something which we don't know why to then... Oh no, they do establish that they want to be able to take care of Godzilla because Godzilla attacks first. Yeah. Then they say we need energy from Hollow Earth to fight Godzilla. And then so they say, we need to fly King Kong across the oceans to from Hawaii-ish, he's near Hawaii, that's where Skull Island is, to Antarctica to... Go into Hollow Earth. And Hollow Earth already has an established tunnel system that they've built. And then the main character's brother had traveled through that, but got crushed because apparently when you pass through the Hollow Earth, <laughs> the gravity inverts. Okay. Do which apparently need- crushes you. Does, okay, look, it's not a real thing, so let's not stress about it too much. Um, I don't know, how, like, I want to stop with the, the plot details there because it's just going to be confusing. But yes. basically what we're getting at is that there's a convoluted plot Very convoluted getting plot. them to Hollow Earth and... But then when we get to Hollow Earth, I won't do plot stuff, but then more story stuff. A bit different. I don't know. Not really. What I want to say is that down on Hollow Earth, there is like... A parallel world where there's stuff on the roof and stuff also on the ground. Yes. So Kong walks over and sees these rocks and then they're floating. So he touches one of the rocks and then realizes he can jump to the roof if he jumps past this midpoint of this right thing. And then he goes on the roof. And so there's this weird... 
No, they need Kong <laughs> to lead them to the ancient power source. Right. And then they go through to this power source and it's this big mountain with lightning above it, um, like Sauron's tower. And they go inside and then there's this already pre-standing structure which has a throne and then Kong needs to put down an axe that is in the room already into the, the axe-holding spot. To activate the power. And so then the power beams up. And, and then shoots near Godzilla. And then Godzilla knows that the power is there. And then Godzilla does a laser beam through the ground to open up a hole between Hollow Earth and Normal Earth. Which is in Hong Kong? Are they in Hong Kong at that point? Yes. And Godzilla's in Hong Kong. And then there's just this big hole in the earth in Hong Kong now. And they... Okay, this is my one of my favorite scenes is when... There's this hole. So imagine opposite one. Someone's in the Kong's in the middle of the Earth. Godzilla's on, in Hong Kong. Yeah, you know that old saying when they said you can dig a hole of China. Yeah, <laughs> and they both like look in the hole, like they're looking at each other, like "Come here, motherfucker!" <laughs> <laughs> and it's this really funny thing. And then they just like fucking zoom. He's after Godzilla. How does he even get up? He climbs up. He jumps or something. No, the gravity inverts when he gets past a certain point, right? But that doesn't make sense because it should pull him back down. Anyway. King it Kong. is it is just remarkably convoluted. Yeah. It is actually point. quite amazing how convoluted it and is. It's, and it's, it's not, weird. And yet it doesn't land as flat as you think it would because it's so convoluted. Well, it's not actually because that it's so convoluted. It's just that you really just want to see King Kong and Godzilla fight. Well, exactly. And that's the thing is that you don't... Okay, so part of this is King Kong getting his axe, right? You need to give King Kong his axe so he stands a chance against Godzilla. And axes are in because of what? God of War? Is that it? <laughs> what do you mean axes are in? Are they in? Yeah, they were in Justice League as well. Who had an axe in Justice League? Spoilers um, for next week's pod. Uh, the big dude, the bad guy. He had right, an axe. okay, sure. Um, so, like that, okay, maybe that's necessary, but it's like, why couldn't they find the axe on Skull Island? Couldn't, they, couldn't the whole story have been that he was going to find the axe so that he could fight Godzilla? It yeah. would literally have served the same point. Yeah. Anyway. Don't you reckon? So they like do they all need that to get... shit. Because they need to keep them apart, but they also need to have them... Because they, they start... They have a fight on the water, which is a pretty cool scene. Would you agree with that? Yeah, it's fun because it's like... It's a bit tense. It's a shake-up. Yeah, it's a bit tenser because obviously Kong's not like a swimming dude. Well, apparently in the old he movies. is. Yeah. <laughs> he lost that. So that's cool. And it's like... It's know, just an interesting... And it it makes, is an interesting choice. Yeah. And it's like Godzilla's just there to fucking murder him. And they're like, Kong's a sitting duck. Like, it's... it's Good. You're mad at the humans, you're protective of Kong. Yeah. And then they get back on the ship and Kong's throwing haymakers and Yeah. The fighting the is the first punch was satisfying as the fighting in this movie is done really well. It's you have good. To admit. It's good. Like I know you said that human suits is a different kind I will, of fun. I will just say the thing is my critique of the fighting and yeah. I will then go on to praise the fighting because I think okay, I'll just get out of the way. The fighting's really is quite good. They make actual contact and it feels brutal. It, and it's, yeah, especially comparing to Justice League, which we just watched. Because I remember there's a nerd writer video on um, Violence, why Marvel right? actions better, and he says that they put uh, gravity in properly. Okay, yeah. so DC's just like if you hit someone, they go flying. Mm-hmm. But Marvel, you know, you land a punch. It is proportionate to how heavy the people are and the strength. Right. King Kong and Godzilla has good gravity. It's yeah. like all the punches like boom, yeah. and they like seem believably And they've strong. got some fun camera work in it as well, which is cool. The camera work's going for it. There's a lot of flips and shit and zooms and artificial zooms and uh yeah. So that's all it's all good. Like they didn't definitely didn't fuck it up. Mm. But I will say you sometimes when 
you want to get the brutality. You want there to be no soundtrack. And yes. my main critique is that the fight scenes had the most generic fight sounds ever. Yeah. So there was no extra tension there. And sometimes you just want to hear the, the reptile flesh getting smacked, you know, yeah. by Kong's yeah. fist or something like that. And sometimes you need, I think, to have the shot like back so you can actually see the action happening like kind of in the whole frame rather, rather than, than doing the Jason Bourne. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's nowhere near that bad. And speaking of this sidebar, is that I did find a video this week of it's a shot from Taken 3 or something like that. Lean this <laughs> yeah. and jump in a fence. And there's like 18 yes. cuts in it. Have you seen it? Yeah. So it's, it's funny. It's famous. Yeah. Um, anyway. Uh, and so like they'll do stuff like have, fa- you know, like a, a camera following a fist and then hitting him in the face and stuff like that. But what's fun about the other one is it's like you just see two guys wrestling and you see the whole thing. And then throwing suplex. Yeah, which is fun. And I just wish that there was maybe a bit more like take a step back camera work in this where... Yeah, just tong. And I get that, you know, CGI, you need to be smart about what you're doing, but it would have been nice to have like a a two-minute part of the whole conflict where they did that, I think. Which reminds me of a comment I had, which is that... This film always conveniently cuts away when there's a strange animation coming up. Like Kong getting back on the boat. I was like, oh, is he going to pull his leg up like we would getting out of a swimming pool? No, they just cut away from it. And then Godzilla jumping into the ocean at the end. I was like, oh, is he going to run and do a dive (laughs) when his hands come into a a tee? And we know why they don't show animals, jump, uh, the characters diving into the water because... King Kong does that and it looks fucking weird. <laughs> <laughs> he jumps off the boat like like a kid who's, you know, who's like doing swimming lessons, yeah. but he's like a little they're bit like, older and he doesn't know what he's doing. like, do a needle drop. And he, th- a ne- you know, the pin, the yeah. pin dive. Yeah. He throws his arms up and he's like, and his face is some of the most human animation where it's like, oh shit, oh fuck. Yeah. And it's like, he should have, he's a kid who should have started swimming maybe three years ago, but he never got around to it. <laughs> it's so good. Very um, funny. But you can't help but feel yourself attracted to these big characters. They they nail the... They do look good. Let's enjoy Kong and mm. let's enjoy Godzilla. And yeah. everyone in the audience was there to love it. And they knew that there was an element of comedy and ridiculousness. And it's just... It completely delivers on the promise of Kong versus Godzilla. Yeah. It doesn't... It doesn't... It's more just a... It lacks... Potent, it doesn't fulfill narrative opportunity and i would just say the thing that's holding it back from because i i would like watch this if it was shorter and the storyline didn't annoy me so much Mm. i could be like yeah i'll watch that again like it's fun watching them fight but it's 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 really a weird thing where it's like your premise is three words kong verse godzilla you know and then it's like okay how can we not how can we stay out of the way so that people just get Kong versus Godzilla? And they don't effectively do it. I think that they get in their own way. Yeah. So the human stuff, right? Um, pause. Time out. Well, this is happening live. Anyway. All right. So I don't know where we were, but events have I just we transpired. Were. What were we just talking about? Oh, no. I thought you meant... Don't worry. Anyway. What introduction do you have for here? Because I have a, an option. So gravity just inverted. <laughs> <laughs> And you wouldn't believe it. There was someone uh, I looked miles in, below the, the I, planet. So I looked in my hole and I said, Motherfucker, come here. So we have pulled from Hollow Earth, Ben, Neb, A titan brother. of podcasts. <laughs> the real crossover event. Yeah. crossover movie. Yeah, this is, this is uh, Ego Hour versus Bad Brother. Are you Bad Brother? Is that sticking or Neb from... Uh, I don't know. You really do need an alias. Yeah. Bad Brother's doing fine so far. Bad Brother. Anyway, so 
this is very much impromptu. So if the audio stuffs up here, apologies at home. Mm-hmm. But we'll just cut his mic. We'll just yeah. <laughs> pretend this. We'll cut this segment. Um, what were we just talking about? Anyway, welcome to the pod. Boy, I got a surprise for you tonight. You got a Welcome, my guest. Thank you. Nice to Good be week. here. How, how are you? Good. Yeah. Oh, we saw this for your birthday. We did. Yeah. The cinematic event of the year for the birthday event of the year. Yeah. It's a real. Nice. It's going to be the best birth, birthday you've had in a while. Yeah. Surely. Genuinely. Yeah. Look, compared to last year, I did nothing and got table tennis net for my birthday. This was, <laughs> that was pretty good. <laughs> this was a, a bit more eventful. Yeah. A bit okay. more of an event. Okay. So, what were we just talking about? Fighting, uh, slow mo. Holes. Okay. Well, let's give your general impressions. Let's just jump into Ben. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've spoken a bit about the history. We watched the other one as well. We spoke a bit about just about like how convoluted the plot is. Yeah, it was plot stuff. So I was going to propose my alternative plot for this film. Well, okay, we'll get to that in a sec. But cool. we'll just catch Ben up and see if he wants to add anything. Yeah. So the plot is convoluted and annoying, and too much human shit is basically what we're saying. We think the fighting is very good, like quite very satisfying. And I was also just saying that, like, with this premise, it's like, can you stay out of your way long enough just so that people can get to the fight? Because and people love the monsters. They, the monsters, big big success. Everyone was vibing for King Kong and Godzilla and cheering for Oh, the fights, yeah. They got the reactions. So, what do you think about the fighting and the plot? Uh, well, I was just going to ask, have you commented on this being, I guess, another one of the universe sort of films? Like, there Well, were... you've seen Kong Skull Island, so you can give a Where's bit of insight. I watched it, yeah, what, two days beforehand? Uh-huh. Not that important. Okay. Then what I was saying is to Tom is that all the characters around Kong aren't characters from a prior movie. So it means that they went out of their way to add them to the film. Yeah, because Scarlet's based in like the 70s. Right. Which is annoying because then it's like, okay. All they sort of do because he's in the, the dome bit at the start. They're just kind of like, he's in a conservation area now. It just like heavily Does implies... Does that happen at the end of the film? What happens at the end of Scarlet? No, Island? at the end of the film, they the survivors kind of get off the island and then Kong just kind of walks off and does his thing. So people ah. die. Yeah, but they go in with like a whole military unit because it's under the guise of being... So that's a bit Jurassic Park. Kind of, yeah. Because like they bring in... It's like a government expedition in that like there's this uncharted island that they're like... It's got its own weather system. No one's ever been there. Mm. They only know it because of satellites, all this sort of stuff. You know what's interesting is At that- the end, they're just kind of like things are going to change around here because people know about it and that's just all they leave it as. So the Kong, the, the style of this film is probably more influenced by Kong, right? Because it's got those sort of like soundtracky bits and that sort of vibe. This well, one. which one is the... Does Godzilla have two prequel movies or one? Two. two. We've seen one of the, I've seen at least one of them. I've seen the first of the two. Mm-hmm. There's Same. a second which introduces Millie Bobby Brown and I think that's where he fights the three-headed thing, right? Or did you guys see the three-headed thing? No. no. We what saw does he it. fight? I don't even know what he does in the first one. Does he I fight he anything? shows up and just wreaks havoc. Hmm. Okay. Because Godzilla, like when they... Millie Bobby Brown's character was kind of like, Godzilla's attacking us. It was a protector. What's going on? Yeah. And it's like, I don't remember Godzilla being a protector. I yeah, assume so. Godzilla causing trouble. Yeah. So. Exactly. Well, let's hear your thing. Yeah. So... It's actually because we. I just did this whole thing where I described what the plot is and I realized, Jesus, it's very, very, very convoluted. I think all you do is you show up with King Kong, I guess because you want to build anticipation, but maybe you find out about this axe on King Kong's island and you go, if he's going to fight Godzilla, because Godzilla's already attacking people, if he's going to fight him, he needs to find this axe, right? Isn't it just so strange that they didn't tap into the humans facing any conflict at all? Like... 
the the King Kong classic story is that the humans run into the locals and then they they get in trouble with the locals. There's no pirates. There's no um, bureaucracy fighting. No private militias. So what, the pirates come over the, the the horizon. They're like, he's a sitting duck out there. <laughs> <laughs> come here, Kong. <laughs> I'm just saying that. The humans face no real drama besides being in the peripheral of getting destroyed of Kong. So I think that the humans need some sort of drama. I just hate that the humans always have to contribute to the fight. And what annoys me about this, right, is that you've got the Millie Bobby brand narrative and then you've got the Kong and the young girl narrative. And both of them need to have their moment where they play and have an impact on the storyline because otherwise it's like, why do we spend all this time with these characters? So the Kong one is resetting Kong's heart with the machine and then which is fine which is okay and then you've got the whole Mecha Godzilla stuff which I don't know I that, guess we haven't reason, even really talked that's about the only that. That's it was sort of fun because they discovered Mecha Godzilla and it was exciting when they found Mecha Godzilla. I was yeah, excited. Yes, but I just I didn't I would have just preferred they fought the whole time, you know? So <laughs> just spat cuz I'm so excited, but just like could you watch 2 plus hours of CGI fighting. Couldn't I just watch an hour and a half and that was it? They don't make movies that short. <laughs> I'm surprised. I thought Godzilla was going to go back to Primal Earth and they were going to um, fight yeah. other... I thought maybe they were going to go like there's a family of Godzilla. So there's a family of King yeah. Kongs or something. And now they probably will do something like that. But it's like, I don't... It's bad enough in every one of these films that a human has to like save Godzilla or do something like that or like hit the button before self-destruct happens. But the fact that they do it twice and that one of them is pouring coffee into a machine to destroy Mechagodzilla, it's like, Jesus. That was, that was weak. Uh, it wasn't coffee. How do we think about, what do we think about Mechagodzilla's design? It was good. I liked it. I think that it, there's can no... We get a, can we get a picture on the... Do you want me to? Yeah. Okay, we couldn't find it. But his design is definitely noteworthy because they're definitely going for something. Um... It seems to me part of that aesthetic of doing something that's deliberately old looking or whatever. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of funny. Like very it, spiny. It looks kind of shit, but like it looks like a kind of bad toy in my opinion. Yeah. I, don't know. I liked it because I like the eyes. And there's this really good shot where the bad guy's doing a speech and then the monster turns around behind him and looks at him and it's like, oh shit, it's going gonna, it's gonna to kill the guy. I enjoyed that. I can't lie. What do you think, Ben? Yeah, split the split the room. Go. Um, I didn't really have strong feelings either way about wow. the design. Huge. Yeah, real centrist. <laughs> um, I was excited to see Mechagodzilla because it was. I said it like ten seconds before it happened to you. Did you know it when I said that? I th- I think I had inklings. Yeah. Like as soon as they're in a lab. Um, I. This is the thing is that I remember this trailer came out and I read a comment underneath it and it's like. I think they, and someone, the top comment was like, I think they're going to team up and fight Mechagodzilla. Yeah. <laughs> so like this whole, the whole time I was like, hmm. Oh, you're if, expecting if it. If this person on YouTube thinks they're going to fight Mechagodzilla, he's probably right. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, was it inevitable there was a, a common enemy, so to speak? Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, because they couldn't kill them both off. As we, which, is, which is disappointing because in the old one, which Tom and I watched, King Kong seems to win. Mm. And what happens to Godzilla? He's just, Don't know. He disappears. He goes beneath the ocean. Yeah. Just taps out and... Well, they roll off the hill. They roll off a cliff face into the water. Yeah. And King Kong's Michael Phelps in this movie. Because he does two instances of very impressive swimming. Yeah. And he just swims into the distance. (laughs) Not even Godzilla swimming into the distance, but King Kong going to the distance. You know, one thing I will praise is that I like the fact that Godzilla is like a swimmer. 
Like it's, I like watching Godzilla swim through the water. I yeah, think that's cool. yeah, that's because that's like that shark vibe. And mm. the, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, oh, I was gonna say uh, one more bit of trivia about the old one is that um, Toho had a giant pool on set, so there are these scenes of King Kong on the water and he's floating on a life raft thing, and it looks really good because you're like, oh, the miniature boat looks really good in scale but compared big, to this thing. Yeah. Um, it's because they had a giant, like giant, giant pool, and apparently. Um, the pool had like fish eggs dropped in it and stuff. So there was plenty of fish in the pool all the time. And you just look out and it looks like a wave pool. That's how big it looks, basically. Mm. I will say that, it, do you think that they copied that first fight scene from the original film? Because, it, so the first time they meet, which we were just talking about and praising, is on the water when Kong's on the ship. And there is a whole part of the old film where King Kong's being tugged along on the back of a ship as well. So I'm wondering if that was where that idea came from. Yeah, I guess so. They had to... Well, because I guess they wanted to move Kong. It's the only way they ever transport him, right? Like well, even in the, actually... In the 2000s one, they drag him along yeah. on a boat. Right? I think, yeah. Did you know that if you have very strong wire and big yellow balloons, you can transport King Kong across the world? <laughs> He's carried across the world by balloons. There's a plot about it's, this it's guy. <laughs> <laughs> There's a plot about this guy having... Invented this like really, and powerful... by plot he means one scene. Yeah, this is the scene where he's hanging off a balcony, like, look at me go. He's like, no, don't do that. Yeah, I don't know. hilarious. That was one of the funniest dubbing moments. Yes, and um, then oh, and also these like expeditionists get to the island with all the natives and get them hooked on smoking in the first. Yeah, I think that cigarettes to a kid. Yeah, they hand out cigarettes in the old one. Yeah. Oh wow. But that's why I think I think they knew what they were doing there. Now. I've heard that the director knew that he was parodying stuff yeah. or being satirical. Yeah. Because um, that, that shit's pretty heavy-handed. I guess so. Um, it's, yeah. hilarious. it's hilarious when you say it. We've got a big narrative, a big speech coming up, don't yeah. you? Yeah. This is a segment that could have, like, it's a new segment I want to start on the show called Academic Writing. Where I punch in um, the the name of the movie and read just some academic writing on it. All right, there's right. a big slab here. So, from Meryl Schleyer's article, "The Empire State Building: Working Class Masculinity in King Kong." Uh, this is a slight excerpt where she basically states her argument, and it's about the 1933 King Kong. So it's set in the Depression, by the way. One must also view Kong's literal and figurative ascension and fall in the context of ideologies concerning masculine success epitomized by the human flies who climbed skyscrapers for fame and fortune during the post-World War I building boom and the multi-ethnic construction workers who fabricated them but who subsequently lost their livelihoods and sense of manly purpose during the Depression. So, King Kong was a uh, symbol of people getting shipped in to work on skyscrapers and then when the depression happened and the American public didn't need them anymore, he dies and it's a tragedy. Sean Noriega's essay, Godzilla and the Japanese Nightmare, When Them Is Us, or US actually. So essentially this article is about how different Godzillas reflected different ideals and basically an analysis of the different eras. But this is interesting. So the American monster movies of the 50s are notable for their support of the bomb and Cold War attitudes. The Beast from 20,000 Fathoms, in a release in 1953, was the first Hollywood movie that dealt with the problem of nuclear testing and was a box office success. In the film, a nuclear explosion in the Arctic melts an iceberg, awakening the Redosaurus frozen within. 
The Redosaurus heads for New York, where it destroys Coney Island and Manhattan. Eventually, the military kill the monster by shooting a nuclear missile into its mouth. The message is clear. Nuclear weapons can solve the problems and anxieties they create. That's some analysis about how Americans were apparently pro-bomb in the years I, I after. I mean, they'd have to be pro-bomb, weren't they? I suppose They so. were pro-bomb when they were bombing. Yeah, and this is contrasted by Godzilla, where she analyzes um, how Godzilla, he emerges after all these centuries, that's a quote, by, uh, due to strontium-90, a radioactive byproduct of the hydrogen bomb explosion, so that's where Godzilla's aroused from in the first place. And then she says, The films, however, deconstruct themselves in a, to link the thinkable monster to the unthinkable nuclear environment. In this sense, the films are aimed not at resolving an absent cause, but providing a reinterpretation or retextualization of the past that allows Japan to examine repressed anxieties within historical context. The monster services only when, as is the case of rapid post-war industrialization and the new Cold War the lessons of the past are overlooked in writing. Oh, when the lessons of the past are overlooked in writing the future. So, American, what can we, what can we draw from this new segment? Um, <laughs> I think okay, I've got some tips. <laughs> yes, I think you do the analysis rather than just like reading out a big slab of text. <laughs> okay, I thought that, but I think the point is definitely interesting, particularly the King Kong, the Godzilla one, which, from my interpretation of what you're saying, is saying that you can make. Godzilla is representing the atomic bomb and there is an, a way that the public in Japan can reflect upon the atomic bomb and kind of deal with that without having to think about the trauma that just happened nine years ago. Yeah, this is a big thing. There's famous Japanese horror movie where it's very psychedelic that I've seen about and it's basically dealing... Well, it's uh, an allegory for dealing with the horror of the nuclear bomb. Basically, it's just really, really crazy and unfair unfathomable fathomable to think that you had to uh, confront these ideals without traumatizing everyone and you know you it's just crazy how recent history that is you know the mm. fact that movies are around and going along at the same time as yeah. wars and yeah bombs exactly well then there's this whole thing about you know films being made during wars being like you know defining film techniques and all this sort of stuff you know like, you mean like I, the Nazi well, stuff? Well, I've gone on deep dives reading about stuff about, yeah, like Nazi cinema, um, coming up with all these new techniques and stuff like that. And it's it's just really interesting to think about, you know. Anyway, how did academic, <laughs> how did we talk about Nazis? How did academic writing get, uh, the new segment go? I like it. Let's make it more succinct. We'll refine it. Okay. So when you write your paper on Godzilla vs. Kong 2021, yes. what's, what's your summary? Yeah, what's my analysis of Kong vs. Godzilla? How does it fit into this... This canon. This virus world. Yeah. What does... <laughs> yeah. It's crazy to me that you said it's made $120 million already. In... Yeah. So... <laughs> it's been like, what, five days? Yeah. I think I had the stats on how much it made in... Okay. I don't know. Doesn't so, it feel strange to be participating in this, like, brain numbing of... <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yes, Kong vs. Godzilla vs. Kong opened in China to a $70.34 million Friday to Sunday gross, according to Forbes. It is the first Hollywood movie to earn $70 million at all since Frozen 2 in 2019, which earned $122 million in China. So, it's already made $70 million in three days. Well. Yeah. It's so, what's interesting, right, is that if you think about the brand of these characters and we talk about when they had films, like how many 
So how many King Kong films are there? There's the original in the 30s. I'm pretty sure there's one between that and Peter Jackson. At no, least. there's a sequel after the original. A sequel. And there's then I like think there's another of, remake. I think that's Son of King Kong or something like that. Yeah. There's okay. another one in between there. And then there's a 76 remake, which you'll remember I was talking about before. And it looks actually like more recent. I guess 70s is more recent than you so, realize. Right. Peter Jackson and then Kong Skull. So, but I'm thinking about being us or being younger than us. Hmm. You know... If there's no Peter Jackson, are these brands that are... If there's no Peter Jackson, King Kong, is this a thing? Is this an event? You know what I mean? Is it a bigger deal? Well, so King Kong is obviously just so famous as a character. Well, you knew pre, you knew King Kong pre-Peter Jackson, King yeah, Kong, right? But I, I kind of bring it up because more, more so with Godzilla in that the first American Godzilla film was the one in the 90s, right? Which was a film that was apparently not well received critically or commercially. And then the next one is the one that they did in 2014 or something like that. But Godzilla is a famous character, right? And it's interesting because it means that... I just think it's interesting to think about how these like brands and like when we're in this point of movie development where it's all about who's a brand that's established and you go, oh, no one cares about that because who has a relationship to that? It is as simple as knowing the brand, right? Like this is... I don't particularly care about King Kong and Godzilla, but... All of a sudden, it's like, I want to see this film because it's two dumb people, two big mm. dumb monsters fighting, right? It's the same as why they make G.I. Joe movies and stuff like that, right? You yeah. Know? So You just need a brand. Feel free to say something now. I was going to say, this is where we mentioned that book that we've all read. Ah, because yeah, we've they... mentioned it. <laughs> I think it came up already. Yeah, yeah right. Um, King Kong is an American character. Yes. And Godzilla is obviously Japanese. Yes. Okay. I guess it's interesting. I haven't looked in the back catalogue, but what you sort of touched on, like how much content there's been for each of them. Because I know that recently there's been like three animated Godzilla Godzilla has at least 20 films. There's tons of Godzilla films. Because it sounds like it's the lifeblood of Toho, which is already a big movie production studio. Oh, well, at least it's one of their IPs in Japan. But then you can be successful in Japan without going around the world. And so this makes me want to watch the Shin Godzilla film. That That one's supposed to be good. That's a Japanese Godzilla that came out very recently. 2014, I think, or maybe more recent. Yeah, I think 20, it's more 20, recent. 2017? Live action? Yeah. yeah. It's the one that you can't hear the music on the trailer because of copyright infringement. <laughs> I watched the first of the animated Godzilla films from recent years. And what did you think? I mean, it wasn't bad. It's based in the future, like where Earth is uninhabitable and they come back and there's Godzilla causing trouble. See, that's what you're actually supposed to do with these stories, you know? At the end of the day, they're just vehicles to tell proper stories, but then people... Well, they, you look at these monster movies and you go, I have two opportunities as a filmmaker. I can use these as a vehicle to be an allegory for something, or I can literally just make them fight each other, or you can get stuck in the middle where you have this... Like, the discourse in this film makes no sense at all. It's not commenting on anything, yeah. is it? So you think right. this is just throw in two household names together yes. to get a paycheck? Did you get... The only thing that I did like... And that was ethical about this. It was good for representation. There are a lot of races in this film, and I was surprised. Yeah, Australia, New Zealand represent. Yeah, Australia, New Zealand. Ronnie Chen is in this, which yeah. is so funny. Yeah. Powerful female characters. I mean, you can't just say powerful female characters all the time. Like, Sorry. But if they're, still, if they're shit characters, it's like we've got powerful, poorly written female characters, so it doesn't really give it... No, I think merit. it matters. It matters. It matters, but it also, like, it's not... It matters more 50 years ago to have a female character who's powerful, even though she's poorly written. Like, I don't know. Let's not give it, too much credit just for having women on screen. Like, it's good, but it's not like... It doesn't deserve a medal, Kong versus Godzilla, I would say. Yeah, I don't think I'm necessarily saying that. Uh, I don't know. 
Uh, yeah, uh, any other allegories that you can see? That? Oh, just with the IP debate. Isn't it just ridiculous that Top Gun 2 is coming out? Top Gun 2 is an IP movie. We because- missed the trailer this week. Yeah, I'm sad, actually. No, um, it's the highlight of IMAX. <laughs> see Miles Teller shirtless with a mustache. And um, Nick's, Nick's favorite Tom Cruise line. I didn't uh, expect to be invited back. They're called Orders, Maverick. <laughs> but the fact that that movie is an original... I don't know if it's based on a book, is it? I'm pretty sure it. it's a movie that was original content at one stage, and yet it is literally only getting a remake because it came out in the 80s. And 80s people are all, oh, you know, they have the money now. So then it's like, oh. 80s people have the money now. They got, it's simple. First, <laughs> you're born in the 80s, and then you've you got, got the, the money. money. <laughs> um, but that's like saying, like Mike 2 is going to get a sequel in the future just because it existed. Um isn't it just wild? Like, there's this cutoff date where you're not IP. You're an original idea. Yeah. If you were made before 2000, you're a movie that exists. If you were made in the, the context of Marvel 2010s, you're not an IP. You're just a movie. Or is it like there's this weird expiration, not expiration, like qualifying period where you enter the Hall of Fame or the IP existence? You know, when does when does Moonlight be, enter the, <laughs> the IP world and get Moonlight 2? When do we get... Yeah. La La Land 2 Because that, that I don't know I think we'll get like A Jerry Maguire 2 Or something like that But that's know? That must yeah. have passed the, the years qualifying But you attract people Like if you If the movie was called I can't make up two monster names Off the top of my head mm. But like something Versus something Of two people You'd never heard of Would you be as attracted As Kong vs Godzilla I'm not necessarily Critiquing the fact That it worked on me <laughs> <laughs> I'm without fault In this situation <laughs> Anyway It's just I'm, I'm, Obviously, there's some sort of date I'm where a mere you pass innocent from, consumer. from cult classic film to IP that we can build on. But I mean, that's like otherwise the trailers would have been like the Bond movie, which I mean, it's a big franchise. Like Mortal Kombat's coming out, which is another franchise. Which is uh, another part of the IP debate because it's not a movie. It's well, like there are movies, but it's not famous for its movie. So then it's just that everything that exists that gets more than a $20, $20 million budget. But in this Hollywood book, they had a whole thing on they were trying to turn like some of the toys into a universe of movies. That's G.I. Joe, right? Right, but I think some others like within... Was what makes Mattel? Kong vs. Godzilla Monsterverse work but not the... Mummyverse? Mummyverse, yeah. Yeah. Has that flopped? Tom Cruise was in that, right? Yeah. Hadn't Tom Cruise been flopping for a while? Didn't he have a cold streak? All the Mission Impossibles are banging. Yeah. Like, but they're actually good. Uh, they, well, they've gotten better, they're respected. Right? They're yeah. respected as good movies. Yeah. Well, it's actually cool. It's this weird niche thing where it's like you have a product and it's like, cool, let's push it. Let's make actual good sequences. You know what I mean? That's, that's interesting. They know what they're trading on. Yeah. But like people like those films because they're really... Like the action sequence is the next level, right? He goes for it, and, he, which and, is really and cool. also knowing that Tom Cruise does all but the yeah, stunts. But yeah, how much of it lot. is Tom Cruise though? Because mm. the Mission Impossible legacy is big stunts, push, trying to push the stunts, and they take you to different parts of the world. And but then also Tom Cruise being because now it's sort of engaging just because he's old. You know, it's like Tom Cruise surely can't do it again, can he? Mm. Um, so the it'll be interesting to see if they go Mission Impossible after Tom Cruise. Retires because <laughs> they're gonna try it, they're gonna try it, but it's just will it work? Yeah, all right. This is a, a, a debate that will no doubt continue in a different episode. Yeah, because it already started. There's no solutions. Episode. Um, I think that we should put our final thoughts towards Kong and Godzilla, unless we have much ben, more to say. King Kong's axe, go. 
King Kong what? King Kong's axe. Oh. <laughs> King Kong's apps. <laughs> they said Zacks. Zacks. Or Zags. And I was like, He's Zags. <laughs> the whole like underground power source, let's put a rock in a thing and then shoot it up, you know, via the world's best radio receiver ever. And then all of a sudden Mecha Godzilla's alive. It was stupid. Mm, text me the code to infinite power. Yeah. It's like, oh, we figured it out. Yeah, cool. World, the world is saved. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's the, the allegory you're looking for. Yeah. What you, can you, okay, we, you just listened to us talk about how there's no inherent meaning. Do, do us an exercise. Try and draw some inherent meaning, uh, some, some bigger picture stuff from this. Speak for the people. Um, you put a lot of pressure on someone. <laughs> I mean, maybe you could dig for something like letting the environment and its inhabitants sort themselves out rather than making your own forces to try and combat with that. The heaviest stuff is him going, we need to be the apex predator again. Yeah, I mean, yeah, humans trying to be the boss sort of thing, like that Godzilla comes along and everyone... I guess it doesn't like private industries either. It doesn't like the apex company. I don't know. I think that you make them so cartoonishly evil that it means you're not saying anything at all in the end. It, um, what do you call it, encourages the conspiracy theory community a little bit. Yeah, because Paperboy starts spurting some QAnon shit you know, and it's all a bit of a gag, but it's also like, hey, that's not a gag. <laughs> that's real yeah, life. That's a bit real. Yeah. When he's, what, sharing in bleach and all that sort of stuff. Mm. I think you just get the most... The, the more audiences you appeal to, the less personality you pull away from this film, you know? Yeah. Uh, the more personality. You pull. But then how do you have his... I know you probably said whether those characters should exist at all. But <laughs> how do you have his character if he's not kind of like... The crazy conspiracies. Like, Man, there's always someone in Transformers like- and stuff. They're just people who work there and focus on one issue. Like, you don't have to make him. I'll just say, like, moving on from that, kind of, that he, for someone who's a really great comedic actor, they really fuck him up in this. Like, they make him really annoying. Like, they just make him talking. You know, there's this thing like where you just talk a lot and that's meant to be funny. Like, what is that? <laughs> that's the timer. <laughs> the saddest timer we've ever had. Um, do you have any thoughts to add, Ben? It's probably stuff you've covered, but my very brief thoughts is that, yeah, plot was weak, but the fighting was really good and really fun. Like, you probably cover, we went as like a group of friends and then... We left as... (laughs) Left as a band of brothers. (laughs) Um, But every time, like, especially the first time when... King Kong like jumps and punches Godzilla in the face. Yeah. And You're like, like, this is happening. I, look, I like looked left to right and then like everyone was smiling or laughing. And then one of our friends at one point did like the Godzilla bang on in his chest yeah. thing <laughs> sitting next to Tom. And it was just like, all right, this is pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was, the fighting was just a big G up. The rest was just kind of waiting for more fighting. Yeah. Uh, what works for you in this film, Tom? Haymakers. Haymakers are a big winner. Um, sound effects of fists. Godzilla and King Kong as things that I didn't know I cared about. You know, like, they're actually likable characters in this film. It's nice to every now and then care about things that are dumb and be part of it all. It's fun, you know. Yeah, I like the internet for this film. Yeah. And that's, that's The internet not, brought like, this, made this happen, so it thank did. the internet. If, in five years when we've forgotten about this movie... If you didn't know any of the context, you might not enjoy it as much as you have now. And then the whole point is I don't think we will forget about it because of the internet moving around. I was saying that 
This caught my attention when KD posted about the trailer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was my way in. I didn't really know about it until, like, then it was kind of like, oh, this is a thing. Yeah, and it, somehow people were like, Kong vs. Godzilla trailer drop. This is a big deal. Yeah. Um, I'm a big... Oh, the other winner is the cinematography in this. Very enjoyable. And Neon Lights, always a big winner in film. Uh, the animation, really good for the most part. Except for Godzilla eating fish. That looked a bit weird. They drop out... King and, Kong, right? Yeah, sorry. King Kong eating fish. Um, we didn't even talk about 3D. 3D, big winner. You reckon? I'm going to say it. I like the idea of sitting in IMAX, having the glasses on so that they crop out everything that's not the screen. It's like, am I sitting next to people? I don't care. Are there people going to the toilet in the distance? I don't care. It was literally just looking at the screen. I've got... Sorry, you go. I was going to say, though, that on my spectrum of 3D, I have on one end seeing Sharkboy and Lava Girl when they made very deliberate attempts to be like, hey, this is 3D. Yeah. And like when I saw Avatar in the cinema for the first time, it was like, oh, this is really cool. Like it's depth. you're getting a lot of depth and a lot of, uh, it's adding a lot to the actual picture. I don't know where this sat because there wasn't a lot of like, it's in the middle <laughs> coming at your face and there wasn't like, this makes this that much more of a visual experience. But the th it's part Maybe we'll have to go back. The thing is we bought tickets to this in 3D and IMAX, just part of like, cause it's King Kong versus Godzilla. It's like, why not? You know? Yeah. Anyway. Um, the intro sequence, I like that. The pol political stuff. They, um, sorry, which part? Oh, like there's like a title sequence. It's like yeah, I meant the title sequence with all the cover-ups. The stuff, like, but The animation. I part. was thinking as it was happening, it'd be interesting to see what was underneath it. Mm. I couldn't read fast enough to see. But yeah. It's like it was just like little bits that yeah, was like. True. Because it said like music by or whatever, and I thought it was going to be like awesomely done music by or whatever and they're just crossing it out just oh, yeah. to have something that was kind of a joke All right. um, yeah the title sequence was good because it was like we know that you haven't seen the other movies maybe and a lot of the audience won't have seen them so here is a brief summary to get you hyped up for the fight that's about to happen mm. so it was a good opening sequence. okay what worked for you Ben? what Tom sort of said like the the fighting and the visuals of it all I thought it was really done really well done visually like, I think that with these things, you can kind of go too far and try and go over the top with the fighting. But because they were, like, really, like, lumbering, big fighting things, it kind of worked that you had these shots where they would just throw in, like, big hits. Like, it wasn't like they were having to cut really fast and do, like, born Identity sort of editing. Well, we were kind of just talking about this. I was saying that I wish there was more, like, back shots because... So when you watch the original, it's two guys in suits just fucking wrestling, which is so much fun, and they just show you them wrestling. But in this, like, they are doing a lot of camera stuff, I think, um, where, like, you know, they're following a fist or they're zooming in on someone's face and stuff like that. And I was saying that I wish that there were more scenes where it was stripped back and just, like, sheer, sheer like, weight and, you know, the gravity of it all going on. You got to look right. at that. Because you get a... I mean, on the water, because he's on the carrier, you get a... I guess a decent idea of the size but the city's really cool because they're just like with the skyscrapers so you really it just says like these dudes are really big and they're just wreaking havoc you get no civilian perspective which is sort of interesting no one looks up at King Kong from ground level but it's like you've probably done that over two two movies now and it's like okay let's just you know leave it um, any of the actors win? I don't know this could be a lookalike do okay? <laughs> she every scene she's like you know, the, the girl's like, I love Kong. And she goes, oh, gee. 
Yeah, the little Rebecca girl's Hall. the best character. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I, a big winner is um, sign language for home. <laughs> so when you're out with your friends and it's a bit too late, you look at each other across the dance floor and you, <laughs> you do the also little Also sign language for coward. Yeah, big one. That was the gag that worked. The coward gag was actually kind of funny. Ronnie Chang won. Um, Absolutely. New Zealand kid, did he win? What, what's his name? You're looking at the... <laughs> Sorry, you're right. I was going to say Subway kid. Julian Dennison. Julian Dennison. Yeah, good for him. You know, I'm happy that any of these people show up in blockbusters. Like, it's cool. Queensland won. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Queensland. A lot of film in the Queensland. Was it really? Parts of it. I guess that makes Jungle sense. Jungle stuff. Um, animators. Right. Animators win. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what didn't work? What didn't work? Everything outside of the fighting. <laughs> no, I didn't, I didn't mind hanging out with the characters as much as you did. I was surprised that I was interested to jump back and forth between their stories. Sometimes it'd be like... Oh, I wonder. I, I always felt like I was pulled out of something when they shifted you to the other people, which suggests that they shouldn't have done it. But it's also sort of like it was interesting, um, and I enjoyed them finding Mecha Godzilla, whether you like it or not, Nick. Um, but yeah, what didn't work is the complexity of the plot. So dumb, so ridiculously convoluted. Um, just seems to avoid any opportunity to touch on human themes because it's so convoluted. The characters can't talk about their feelings because they're busy explaining what's going on. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Like the, so the scientist who they recruit to go into the earth, it's like, you know, this is hard for you because your brother died going in. It's kind of like... I didn't hear about that again. Oh, the worst is Paperboy's wife. He mentions like, oh, you know, my wife, she was my rock. And then Millie Bo Brown's like, it's romantic. <laughs> and that's it. So weird. Um, what didn't work for you, Ben? Yeah. Uh, I guess it was just trying to shove a bit of story in there. Like, I feel like the whole Hollow Earth thing is trying to kind of open up more movies and more opportunity because they kind of touch on that in the Skull Island, like that there's a Hollow Earth theory back then and all that sort of stuff. But mm. besides him, like, you know, going in there and smacking around another dinosaur and then finding the axe... I would like to see more dinosaur killings. I want to see King Kong just wrecking shit. Like that was, was but what Godzilla was good about- too. Godzilla yeah. didn't actually break that much stuff. He just sort of fought King Kong. But I would like what, what's good about Peter Jackson's King Kong is like the stuff where he's like fighting dinosaurs. That's it's cool. Just, it's just cool, you know. And it's not like he's fighting someone so big that it has to be a whole thing and difficult. It's like you just want to see him wreck havoc. A he sort bit. of struggled against the dinosaurs, notably yeah. in this one. Mm-hmm. But yeah, in Skull Island, he must fight a bunch of dinosaurs. Yeah. So that. Skull Creeper thing or whatever that Mecha Godzilla fights, they're kind of the big enemy because mm-hmm. they don't leave the island in Skull Island, mm-hmm. which I was kind of expecting because of the Peter Jackson one. Yes, that it always, King Kong in general. It always yeah. seems like King Kong shows up in New York. Like yeah, it. yeah. So apparently, the Peter Jackson remake is very, very close to the original, which led one academic article I read to criticize it. It was just like he doesn't say anything; he just does the same thing, but with CG. Yeah. All right, I reckon we're rating it. So, you're doing the old one as well. Yeah. So yeah, Tom, what do you rate Godzilla? What do you rate King Kong versus Godzilla? So the old one. Yes. Look, I'm torn as a legitimate reviewer and as an enjoyer of <laughs> cinema. Considering I gave some of the old Spider-Man like 2.5 and stuff. Yeah, rough. Yeah. I don't know. I just still haven't settled on 
how my spectrum works with stuff that's I like but, but isn't great. I think I will give it the old one, 2.5. Okay. But it's like a warm 2.5. <laughs> what, what would you give a... What would you give Godzilla vs. King... Godzilla vs. Kong? Three. <laughs> <laughs> so, a warm 2.5 and a, a what three? <laughs> and a cold three. <laughs> it, uh, it's just like... I don't know. I feel wrong saying three because it's so flawed but i think even though i think i'll watch it again you know yeah and it it does nail what it nails really well it's just that those three stars are earned on the back of (laughs) one star goes to king kong just being enjoyable on screen the second star goes for the choreography of the fights Mm -hmm. and the third star just goes for just the feeling of seeing Mechagodzilla and getting excited and seeing them go toward like the boat scene (laughs) like the boat scene earns a star or something you know it's just about the experience. All right. Ben, what would you rate Godzilla vs. Kong? I and was Kong th- Skull Island while you're at it. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> uh, Kong Skull Island, I'd probably give like two and a half. Warm or cold? A cold. It was weak. Right. Well, give so. it a two. Be a man. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> Be a Didn't man. Didn't mean to gender this. Be a monkey. <laughs> um, yeah, that wasn't very good. Uh, you don't have to watch it if you plan to watch I'm watching Ooh. Shin Godzilla and the original Godzilla. That's and it. King Kong. Peter Jackson. Peter Jackson, King Kong. Yeah. What would you rate the new one? The movie we just watched. I sort of agree. I think three is probably my number. Yeah. Like, it's hard to rate. I mean, the last thing I was on here to talk about was a Wong Kar Wai film. <laughs> <laughs> like having this and that on the same sort of scale, I don't really know how that works. Yeah. It's funny, like, doing a pod on this as well, because I was like, do we invite people that we watch the movie with? Because then we're going to sit around talking about punches the whole time. And I guess we wouldn't have academic section. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But look, it was, like we said, the actual camera work of the fighting in particular, I know we keep saying the fighting, was really pretty good. Like I liked it. And it was a, it was a fun movie to go see. It was a win for the genre, I'd say. It was a win for giant monster movies. As far as you can do this sort of movie, I think it was really well done. Yeah. It's, it's going to be better than Mortal Kombat, you know. All right. My turn. My turn. Um, I'm going to be probably controversial. I am going to give the old one a three because the end fight sequence is so good. Like, definitely recommend that as a solid watch. You should watch... Yeah, you And watch the because... structure of that film is so bizarre that it's entertaining as well. The whole UN exposition to the camera sort of thing is just hilarious and a, a thrill to watch. <laughs> Was it a thrill? <laughs> there were parts where I found myself actually questioning, like... yeah. But it's short. It's an hour and a half. You know, it's it's fun. It's a good time. I rate it. Yeah. This one, I I'm gonna give a warm two and a half, just because I didn't love. You know, I think where we differ is that I wasn't about. I wasn't into Mechagodzilla enough. I was kind of like, that didn't land with me. And I. Because you knew about it. You'd read the YouTube comments. Maybe. Yeah, maybe the spoilers. Well, maybe don't make it obvious to that YouTuber, and then we <laughs> wouldn't be here. You know what I mean? Yeah. And. Also, I seem to be more irritated by the plot, <laughs> by the, the characters and everything. Just ignore it. Because, it, but literally, like, I was like an hour into this film and I was like, fuck me, this is a letdown. Like, I'm so bored. Really? And then, well, not, not I'm so bored, but I was like, you know, please just get on with it. And then, obviously, there was plenty of good fighting, which I enjoyed. Yes. But if you didn't love Mechagodzilla, then I don't think that you would give it as high. So, yeah. I just was so I was just so excited by the impending fight. And I don't always get caught up in that thing, you know? Like I don't always get caught up in there's an obvious punchline coming, but it worked. 
I was just trying to think like what actually happens between the boat fight and the Hong Kong fight. Like you don't I don't remember it. it. The only part I remember is like is the the Bernie stuff that I don't remember what Oh, they yeah, they go through the hole and stuff. I guess it's the introduction to Mecha Godzilla and they go through the hole, but it's like I'm at one with you. You would just wait until be like, all right, they're gonna fight again. Let's just wait until that. But surely you have to praise the director that it only went for an hour forty minutes. Okay, I'll praise him that it's not that long, cool. but it could have been oh, shorter. Is it only an hour forty? Hour f- oh, sorry, I might have actually said it was slightly longer than that. I think it's just under two hours. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Hour fifty three. Okay, because they could have they could have easily tried to make that two and a half, and yes. then yes. All right, what are we plugging? I think next week's a big episode. We're going to do the Schneider cut. Yes. So that'll be a bit a bit of a hype. Let's also just say that we watched King Kong and then Schneider cut back to back two days in a row. So it's like we were overloaded with masculine energy. Mm. Um, and then the other King Kong as well, right? That, yeah, which was... That back to back to back? <laughs> yeah. What a thrill. Yeah. Follow Tom on Instagram. <laughs> Letterbox as well. L-A-L-S-A-L-K-Y. Follow me. (laughs) Please delete that. (laughs) (laughs) No chance, man. Too Um, many sprites. Too many sprites. Um, Follow me on Instagram. I am good brother on Letterboxd as well. Um, Love cuts around the corner. Get keen for Tom's short film. Anything you want to plug, Ben? Just watch out for me. I'll be back. (laughs) (laughs) Is that a threat? (laughs) That's like the end of this film. (laughs) I imagine I'll show up on a pod for the whole thing. Otherwise, I'll just drop in again. This is fun. Through. Good segment. All right. Uh, this has been another classic. Another classic or a fresh one. If we knew what we wanted, you'd be useless. Tell us what's in. Tell us who's done. Another antique shipwreck you spun. It's a Friday or a Tuesday. They mark my week, tell me when and where and what's fun. Maybe if we, maybe if us, another sentimental, idealistic new one. Another hot pit full of was nots. The same sound to fill the room, not a long shot. Give us who we, tell them who we